0: This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I am excited to be joined by a longtime friend, Brett Sheets. Brett has been in the business for over 30 years He's the SVP of leasing at Barclay Group, but he's been at retailers, public REITs, he was a broker, now he's a developer, he's got a wealth of knowledge, I'm excited for him to be here. Welcome to the show, Brett. Thank you very much for having me, it's awesome. So Brett, why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about who you are and
1: what you do? Yeah, well, I'm actually based in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Uh, that's where Barclay Group is, my current employer. Uh, before that, I was at Verite, which was coal. We were one of the largest um, reits, publicly traded reits in the country, and so I was their head of leasing as well. We uh, we sold to Realty Income. I decided I want to try something different, and uh, so I decided to try the developer side of the business. Uh, the Barclay folks here, uh, I, I chose them, and they chose me. I chose them because they're just good people. Um, they're 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 and they're one of the most active developers. Uh, in the country, We're mostly developing grocery anchored centers, um, we do some fitness centers, and, and I handle all the pre-leasing of the the ground ups and all the renewals for the existing center. So that's you know sort of where I'm at now. Um, prior to that, I was uh, with a retailer, a national retailer, and I helped grow them across the country. Uh, they, when I got there, they started out with 275 locations. It was franchise driven. We can have a whole conversation about franchises, can't we? <laughs> uh, it was franchise driven. It was Cold Creamery. I can say who it was. We had 275 locations and I grew it to, uh, about 1200. So I was responsible for their real estate. Um, but I gotta tell you, that gave me that national exposure that I felt like I was lacking because before that I was a broker. And when you're a broker in one state, it's a little bit more of a challenge to get that out-of-state, cross-the-country sort of exposure. So I felt like that really catapulted my, my uh, career, quite frankly. So, so as you mentioned, four different, four different really disciplines. Uh, Pure broker, learned, learned it on the streets, cut my teeth on the streets, um, got my own business, worked commission, straight commission. Then I went to work for a retailer. And then from there, uh, the REIT. Uh, the, one of the largest institutional REITs in the country, and then now here at Barclay Group.
0: How, I'm curious, most people in any industry don't float from side to side of their business, right? As much as being the head of development for a retail chain, and I such kudos, I think there's a lot of people out there who are probably fans of Cold Stone and Wouldn't be able to go to one if it wasn't for Brett Sheets. So (laughs) I think it is really interesting. It's a really interesting job and really fascinating. But I would say, while there's some similarities, it is quite different than your job as the head of leasing for Verit and what you do now. And so, what would you say to someone who's looking to make a big transition like that? Because I think a lot of people out there find it hard to go from side to side. They feel pigeonholed.
1: Yeah, I I, I would agree. I think some people just can't make that jump. Uh, I think it's real hard for a broker to jump over to the retailer side, in my opinion. I've seen a lot of retailers jump over to the developer side. Uh, I don't see a lot of retailers jump over to the brokerage side. (laughs) Uh, I tell you, the, the thing about you know, and I worked for a franchise concept and like I said, we could talk for hours about franchise concepts and it was a great concept. They were growing like crazy. But, um, I always say when you're, when you're a retailer, whether you're a franchise or other, and we can talk about what's hot and what's not. But, uh, when, when, when you're a retailer and you're growing and you're hot, you're hot, but uh, as soon as you stop growing, you're not. And I sort of read the writing on the wall kind of early that, Hey, we're growing too many stores too fast. And that's when I decided to make the jump over to the landlord side, the the REIT side. So I think, so at the time, if you were Cole or,
0: you know, why would you be interested in Brett Sheets at the time? What do you think? And like, forget about even our industry. Like someone wants to hop over. Like I think when someone posts a job, they're looking for specific requirements. And you probably didn't meet a lot of them that they were looking for. So how do you get that job?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, too. Uh, you know, my my good looks and charm. <laughs> um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, a lot of people tell me I have a radio voice, a radio face, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you got both. You got both. Anyway, so, I, you know, I think what they wanted at the time, they were uh, strictly had one product type, and it was net lease REIT. So it was Walgreens and Rite-Aids and Walmarts and Home Depots but they wanted to grow fast and they wanted to get more credit they wanted to get more Walt, weighted average lease term and they wanted and they, they wanted to spend more money and so the way to do that is to buy big power centers right oh. and so that's you, you buy a power center with the PetSmart's and the rosses and the tjs and all those things and that's how you buy into the investment grade tenant and that was their goal so they saw that and I was a shop guy right i was at the coldstone i was a I was looking at 12 to 2,000 square feet, but what they saw was I had the relationships, and we can talk about relationships later too, relationships across the country, because I was out meeting with all the developers, meet with all the landlords, meet with all the brokers, and so I had relationships in every market, and and they had to grow in all 50 states, so I think they saw that in me, and I think they also saw that I had some process and systems, because we were growing so crazy at Coldstone that we had to have processes and systems and good people. Uh, but I felt like I managed a process and it got deals done fast. And they wanted to see that happen over at Cole. Very it was cold at the time, but very got it. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it was a great point. Like having
0: a large network or having, a, and having a good deep network are critical in, you know, if you're finding a job or whatever you do, but, um, appreciate you sharing that. So I think you're in an interesting place now, right? We're in a volatile market for development. It's always, development's always tough. It's never easy, right? Development's always tough, right? But you're in a pretty tough, uh, development time as am I, I'm in a tough development time. Uh, there's usually opportunity in times like this, but you know, how are you navigating the waters? Question one and two.
1: What are some of the challenges you're running into? Yes, yes, so many. And it's, it's interesting sitting in the three-hour uh, development meeting that we have every other Monday. And a, I'm learning a lot. Uh, this team's great for that. Uh, but on the other hand, we have close to forty development projects in different phases. And it could be a, you know, small little EG's redevelopment, build the suit up to, you know, a huge 200,000 square foot grocery anchored center with shop space. Um, I would say we're sort of suited well here in Arizona right now because of the amount of people moving in. So, so that's the good thing. We got a lot of people moving in. So, you know, retail follows rooftops, the old saying, so I think that's a really, really good thing for, for us. But we're also building in uh, Colorado, and, which is a pretty growth market too. Texas, pretty high growth market. Sure. And we're starting to dip into a little bit of the Carolinas and the East Coast, but that's more client specific. Um, but what what we're seeing, and it's really gotten sort of crazy just in the past few months, what I've noticed, is uh, you know, site work. Um, uh, just to do site work because of, um, costs of cement and concrete and fuel, fuel ch- surcharges, um, all that labor shortages has really affected, um, our costs. And, uh, there's a certain point that the tenants, uh, there's a certain tipping point where they can only go so high, right. On, on, on rent. Yeah. And we... so that, that. that that makes it a challenge, and we've got, come up with some creative ways, and we've we've met with a lot of retailers, and I think they, they get it, in general, um, and so that, that that's a good thing. But I, bottom line, you know, we've I still have I have one end cap in a multi tenant building. I have I get six LOIs, that's a good problem to have. Great problem. Um, yeah, and so I've got I, we have plenty of activity, so I think the tenants still want to grow out there. My concern is with the with this you know recession that we are may or may not be in. <laughs> I think uh, I think something's got to give here. Hopefully it's temporary. Um, but <clears throat> what we're doing with the tenants, I'm do, I'm getting more percentage rent because you know they can only afford to pay so much. So I'm, um, I'm I'm starting to really implement percentage rent. It's a fair percentage rent. It's a win-win. Um, and then I'm getting a little bit more term. You know some of these tenants that would only do ten years, man, get up to twelve years. You know they're not going to do fifteen or twenty, but even shop guys will do that. Just gives me more time to amortize the costs in, in, into the deal, and uh, and we're pushing higher rents. You know we, we really are we're pushing mid to high 40s in this market for brand new developments, because there's nothing there's nowhere else for them to go. So there was. There's been a lot of discussion about
0: annual increases on rents. One of the things you brought up is interesting is, you know, maybe that's a place for percentage rent. We all wanna get annual increases of, because of the um, inflation. But yeah. where, when you hit a roadblock, right? Most people don't wanna pay 8% per year Right, You know, maybe a bridge is percentage rent, but, uh, have you been able to get, and a friend of mine, Jason Richter recently talked about this or, or posted that on LinkedIn.
1: Are, are you, are you getting solid annual bumps? Absolutely. I think on, on the, on the shop tenants, um, 3%, 3% annuals. We're allowed to talk about this, right? Yeah. 3% annuals all day long. Uh, on the shop tenants the bigger boxes um i'm pushing 12 12 and a half sometimes every five every not five annual. yeah every five if you're getting 12 percent bumps yeah. <laughs> every year <laughs> yeah, on a box no, no, no. deal we should talk no. offline <laughs> yeah. and then uh, on the ground leases ground lease market is really hot right now in, uh, especially in Arizona. So we're able to, instead of, you know, do reverse builds or build the suits or sell out parcels, uh, we're, we're able to do ground leases. So which that's really love.
0: interesting. So wh- why do you think the ground lease market's so hot?
1: I think it's lack of product. L- lack of product. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm somewhat lucky. I don't call myself the, uh, the Maytag repairman, but I've got grocery anchored centers, Fry specifically, Kroger product, and uh the guy across the street doesn't have an anchor so m- most of my tenants they want to be you know I- i'm drawing five six thousand people a day with a grocery store and then in some cases when we can buy, n- buy enough land we'll put a fitness eos fitness we'll put it in the same center they're drawing two thousand people a day so i'm drawing the traffic so people kind of want to be over with us that's why they'll do a ground lease um it- it's it's getting tougher but I don't see it drying up in the, in the near future. Now, the ground leases, I'm only getting to 10% every five year because they're spending all the money. They're, 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 they're spending the investment. But, and we're delivering typically, you know, curb in, you know, ready pad, you know, kind of rough graded, and, uh, and, and they go to work. For those who don't know, can you play teacher? Can you explain what a ground lease is? Uh, well, I'll tell you, at, at, at Verite, I, if I did three ground leases, ground leases in 10 years, that would be a lot. So I come over here and there are ground leases everywhere. So uh, ground leases typically is going to happen on, a, on an out parcel or, or a pad. They're typically longer term. Um, we've been getting 50, 20. Some only went 15, but 20-year ground leases. It's basically as is. You, you deliver the pad. You don't give them any contribution and then I'll walk through that too. You don't give any contribution. They write you a check uh, for the ground, for the ground pad and they do all the work. You, you got to prove the elevations. So the ground lease is something as a, as a REIT or a real estate investor love ground leases because you know, you don't have to collect rents. You don't have to collect, you don't, you're not paying real estate taxes. You're not doing insurance. It's, it's almost like a net leased REIT, net leased asset. Whereas there are situations, where we're going to do, it's kind of structured. The lease is structured as a ground lease, but we're making a contribution. So we and we'll typically cap that contribution at this point. So kind of like a reverse build the suit, you know, Hey, we'll write you a check for a million bucks. Here's what your rent's going to be. And then you, you build your building. And then the, kind of the third part of that is the, the true build the suit. And that's when we're building the building for them we're going to turn it over to them, I and that's more like a typical lease. Um, and we like those two. It's just you got to underwrite the credit. Yeah. And you got to understand the costs of building that building.
0: And yeah, for those who don't know, a ground lease someone's actually, instead of leasing the building from you at a dollar per square foot, they're leasing the ground for a rate annualized basis. They're paying you monthly, and typically they're doing their own common area maintenance, paying real estate taxes directly to this municipality, and they are self-insuring the building. It's, you know, uh, it's a more passive, less operational for a landlord. And typically it has to do with, and so why would a retailer want to do that? It has to do with, one, access. There might not be any other opportunities. And, two, sometimes their financial model that they're using actually turns out better than paying a higher rent for a build to suit. Their cost of capital is cheaper. It's cheaper for them to build the building, own the real estate, depreciate the real estate than it is for them to actually um, rent that building for you. But and, and they pay you a smaller fee
1: for the ground than they do the actual building. Exactly. And, and a lot of tenants out there, have not or have stayed away from ground leases? Yep. Uh, we could name a few, but they started to realize they were losing market share because that hamburger guy that would never do a ground lease, well, his competitors like, okay, I can get some market share here. I'll do a ground lease, get a store open. And so that's part of it too. Yep. It's just getting, yeah, you know, control of the market.
0: <laughs> so I want to take a Pivot for a moment I want to I want you to share a story. You have a story about a a former circuit city that
1: uh, uh, why don't you tell that story yeah, yeah uh, i won 't say what market because it's just in case to protect the innocent, but it was a, a former circuit city about thirty five thousand feet um, you know we hired brokers in the market they did, they did a great job I think the, so the building was vacant this, we're talking about a
0: vacant building that vacant.
1: used to be a circuit city right okay exactly um Anyway, I think within the second month, um, I went out to go tour it. I had to go see it, touch it, feel it. And so I met the brokers out there with one of my dealmakers. And so we opened up the back back door, and the place is trashed. Uh, there's uh, spray paint every, everywhere. felt like we somebody maybe set it up as a haunted house. Oh, my God. It had bl- blood things and things hanging from the ceiling. It was a weird deal. They had a fire in the middle of it. Thank goodness the, the building didn't burn down. So anyway, they made it like it a bonfire
0: in the middle of the building.
1: Yes, yes. Oh my uh-huh. god! <laughs> yeah, I think they had chairs around it. They were somebody was having fun in there. It might have been a one of these, you know, parties. Oh my god! That uh, that, that people put together. So I never got so invited that, when I was younger. I never got invited to the Circuit City party. So yeah, not for <laughs> me either. So um, you know, sort of fast forward. We had a big pylon sign right on the freeway, right on the free. I mean, just perfect. But um, we lost that pylon sign in six months if we didn't release it. That pylon sign went back to the city. You know, they could tear it down. So i lose the pylon sign. It was in the REAs, in the restrictions. Wow, CCRs. what a
0: weird thing that the pylon sign is yours unless you release, not the building, the pylon?
1: No, I had to release the building. Oh, my God. Or
0: you lost it, the it, pylon.
1: Or we lost the
0: pylon. What so was the was city going to do with it? Do. Put up like, welcome to Main Street in such and such town?
1: Yeah, I think they, there was way too many billboards, way too many pylon signs. So this was the city's way of reducing all that off the freeway, right? Oh you my know, God. clean up their city. And for yeah, those who crazy. don't know,
0: retailers and brands <laughs> love pylon signs. It's a huge value. Not having that makes leasability of the building a lot less
1: uh, likely. Yep, exactly. And the tenant, uh, and we had lots of prospects, um, they had to be open. Oh, my God. In six months? Uh, they, had, they had to be open. They had to be operating in the building within those six months. So it was you know crazy timing. There's no way we were going to do it. So uh, what we came up with is uh, our brokerage house, and I'll give kudos to them. Uh, I, I should probably say it's CBRE. And we, we'll, give, we'll give them a, a shout out. Um, we... Uh, we had them sign a lease with us for a temporary, not temporary, but I signed a lease with us for a West office, satellite office. <laughs> so CBO, CBR, and it has to, somebody had to be there. So CBRE opened it up. We signed a little lease with them that we could terminate, right? Signed a lease with them. They got phones. They moved in a desk. Uh, they sent one of their junior guys, a new guy in the business. Probably now he's been in the business for a while. Had one of their junior guys sit in that building every day, you know, with lights and a phone and a computer, and was opened up, you know, for a satellite office.
0: <laughs> oh my God! This
1: is one of the best stories I've ever heard. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, fast forward, we ended up uh, we ended up getting the, getting the deal signed. It took it actually took about 12 months for them to get. Lined up. And what was the den. new
0: use of the tenant that was coming in?
1: Uh, well, I shouldn't say because I think they already closed down.
0: That's not right.
1: <laughs> I, but yeah, it was a while ago when I did this. So I, I, I I haven't been to this market. Remember, I had stuff in forty nine yeah,
0: states,
1: yeah, yeah. fifty states. I could could remember all of them. But it was your you know typical you know retail you know type use that liked the parking, liked the exposure off the freeway, you know uh, all that. It's Just as you know, it takes a while to backfill a junior box. Yep. So wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my my crazy story. That
0: is crazy. So what a creative, first off, kudos to CBRE for doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure the rent was light since they had one person in there. You didn't charge a lot of rent to lease the box, but they leased it for Mm -hmm. you so that you could get around the fact of not giving the pylon sign back to the municipality so that you could get your junior box retailer in. Yeah,
1: total team effort wild.
0: That is totally wild. I, I haven't heard that before. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm put back on my heels because that is super creative. And you were working, this was at, when you were at Verit?
1: Yeah, correct. Right. What did the
0: guys at Verit say? Were they like, this is the most creative thing in the world? Or were they like, this is Uh, crazy?
1: Be- very happy that we backfilled it <laughs> that's what they were happy about I don't think they cared about the sign going away because it would have been my job to backfill right. it away, right 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 uh, but as you know, it would have been harder and probably less rent wow, so yeah
0: kudos what a cool story, Brett that is a good one
1: yeah okay
0: um so what else uh are you? What else is top of mind for you in the world as you're uh, in this crazy retail real estate
1: world today? Well, uh, like, like let's see, I got I've got five LOIs sitting on my desk that I need to that I need to answer here by the end of the day. And so, as I said earlier, I think activity is still tremendous, and I think the tenants are willing to step up. It's just trying to work with work work with them because uh, their costs have gone up, right? You know, it used to be. You know, you talk to one of these haircutting guys, I won't mention their names, um, and they say, hey, Brett, yeah, that worked at the first deal we did with them at the beginning of the year, 45 bucks a square foot, worked to build out a vanilla box, now it's costing me 65. So I'm not going to make up the whole 65, but maybe I can come somewhere in the middle if they give me a little bit more rent, or I incorporate that percentage rent idea, or I get higher bumps. So we're willing to write the checks if the numbers still crunch, Um, but... What we're, what we're trying to do now is we'll deliver a shell on the new construction. We'll deliver the gray shell. If it's a restaurant, we've got a – I call it a modified gray shell. I think we do a pretty good job giving modified gray shells. Um, and then we give an allowance. We, we just don't want to take the vanilla box construction risk right now, especially since it takes so long to get these leases signed. We just don't want to do it. You know, uh, we, We've come up with some language to put in LOIs that basically says a market condition exists – and if uh, costs, if you don't sign the lease by this time, and costs go up more than 15 percent, we're going to have to have a discussion. You, you know, we're, we're either going to have to raise your rent or or, redu- or reduce your TI because our costs are going up as well. And I can tell you, most of the, the, the tenants have been sort of, they are not happy about it, but they seem to be okay with it. You yeah. Know, so and, what we've stated, doors we started.
0: We we've done something similar. We've because we've tweaked a bunch of things. The first thing we did. To, to me, the answer to that, if your construction team's good is, and which I know yours is, the, the first step to that is the speed to execution. And so what we would do is we would put in and say, listen, in the LOI, due to inflationary costs in construction, the lease needs to be signed by this date Or we cannot honor the rent. And what I would tell you on the shop space, most of the tenants got the lease done by that. Because we were transparent because we would say, okay, you know, a construction team would say, listen, I think I'm going to be able to build it in this price range. But I'm telling you, if I can't start by this date, that means I can't deliver by this date. And in the northern states, we have issues, which you probably face in Colorado, right? If you don't get started in construction in September, you could be not building until April because the ground's frozen. Now, that time window, the construction guys are not going to stick their neck out to hold pricing because that's too long of a window. So that was one way we got around it. Um.
1: How much time did you give the sign? At lease? was that negotiable, or did you just throw up? No, we know, would. Like say, a, we we would. It, it would be. It would be fact based. I would say it's t-
0: based on talking to construction, and they would say, "Hey, I need to start. I need to start drawing plans, and by this date, and I need to start construction here. So whatever that means for you, I need to start constructing. I'll use around. I need to start construction on April first. So Mm -hmm. if it's February 10th, right, in that scenario, you need a lease signed pretty quickly. If it's December 15th, we would say, all right, you have 45 days, something like that, to sign this lease. And, you know, otherwise the rent's subject to change. We had, I think, one instance where the rent did change and the, the group said, listen, we were too slow, we get it. Let's see. I don't know that we can make the numbers work, but I understand you, you, you were very clear with us. Um, I like that. That was an easier way for us because we're pretty confident in our construction team. But I've been in a lot of scenarios. I've done a gr- I did a grocery store where we were to deliver base building work, but then the tenant improvement work we were doing it it was a turnkey was capped at a certain dollar amount and then they reimbursed us anything over well it turned yep. into at reconciliation it turned into chaos because well that really wasn't tenant improvement work that's base building work and it was gray in the lease additionally they had they they had the option the tenant had the option to pay me cash back for it or pay a higher rent spread over the course of the lease. Now in this scenario, the tenant didn't want the rent to increase. So they paid, they paid, they they paid, but to get to an agreement of what that number was post the cap was, was tough. And so, you know, you could easily say like, Something like, all right, I'm going to spend $50. Anything over that is your contribution. But then you get into the stuff of like, did you get three bids? How do I know that was the best value for the $50 a foot? And so when it came to all this small shop leasing and the amount of activity, I thought that would be a, a bottleneck. So I stuck to the rent piece and challenged the construction team, give me the date you can hold pricing to. Right. So that's what we did.
1: Yeah, that's a, and I hear you. The problem we're having here in this market, because the growth is a lot of contractors won't even hold the price for more than 30 days. (laughs) So uh, a lot of them want it to be what they want a right to change it. You know, once they start the work, which is just crazy talk. So I have the confidence in our construction team for sure. And our development team, I just don't know if I have the confidence in the contractors, but I think that's got to change. I mean, you know, I, I think I think once the subs are starting to call us and ask us for work, I think I think that's when things will change. And it may not be for another three to six months, but you know that's kind of what we need to happen in this market because right now it's you can't even get three bids, you know, from some of these guys. You know, they we have issues with you know the you know all the supply chain. We're having issues with HVACs and transformers, the SES switches, electrical switches. I mean, that's holding up stores from getting open you know, waiting on, uh, that's got to give. So we, I was on the, I was on a, my team
0: and reported back to me was on a fall phone call with Dick's sporting goods and their, uh, electric gear manufacturer. Um, cause we're turnkeying a Dick's and their electric gear manufacturer guy, they were talking and, and Dick's was apparently challenging. Like, you know, what are you talking about on this timeline? I think my takeaway from it was this was the issue, was there's a lot of people that manufacture electric gears. Yeah. But there's only like one group that manufactures the components that go in the electric
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and that's the same thing we're hearing. I, I, well, I talked to one of the junior boxes. I don't know if he wants me to mention his name. Um, he, uh, uh, you know, in the, that twenty to 30,000 square foot range. And he told me they're pre-ordering HVACs and inventorying them, trying to get, do the same thing with switches and, and also transformers. And so, because they have such a huge growth plan. So, yeah, I know who
0: you're talking about, but yes. Yeah. So, um, the, I think it's a, uh, it's an interesting time for sure. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it, it is.
0: You know, you mentioned the activity. I think the one of the things I would say is tenant demand is robust. I think people want to access market share. Mm -hmm. The economics of deals are challenged by construction costs, but the industry is just so creative and they're finding ways, whether it's, you know, back in the day, we're temp leasing to a a Mm -hmm. CBRE's kid who's on a phone, so we save a Mm -hmm. pylon or... Whether it's through some creative percentage rent measure now or whatever it might be,
1: I think yeah. the industry is innovative. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it's tough. with our construction guys doing their performance, you know, now construction loans are what pushing almost seven sure. percent, six and a half, seven percent, and so that's you know that hasn't really caught up yet, but it's starting to. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and you mentioned on the franchise side, right? I've, I've talked to them, right? Their construction costs have gone up. Their SBA loan interest rates have gone up. There's a whole, yep. you know, their costs have gone up. But I often say, once we sign a lease, I can't change the rent. Could always raise the price of the burger.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Good point.
0: I can't raise the price of the burger. And they're going up.
1: And they seem like they're going up. I can't raise the price of the burger. Um, On the –
0: what about the non-monetary? What's – any challenges you're seeing in non-monetary things and deals?
1: Uh, Well, it kind of relates to monetary, but timing, timing, Um, especially with the, yeah, the ground leases and with even with uh, the mom and pops trying to figure out getting permitting and because they all they're all having issues with permitting. Architects are all behind. Um, Lawyers are all behind. And so that the timings is just killing us right now.
0: Yeah, that's it's one. And and there's a lot of like people want I'm like, I don't want any contingency periods. I want to sign a deal and have a deal. And there's all these different like periods of time that you have to get through to get to like when the actual lease is effective you sign the lease and then there's this huge other period of time and we're like we want to get to a lease
1: deal yeah I, you, I, you want to know my goals I want to know when rent commencement when when am I going to get rent right whatever that is and and that's that's getting to be a huge challenge uh, for, for, for us is that that timing thing uh, you know exclusives they're here to stay. Uh, co-tenancies, we've sort of been kind of pushing back pretty big on co-tenancies cause we only have one anchor and so we're, we're careful with that and rarely do they close. Uh, so we're, we're careful with that, but, um, otherwise all the typical, you know, I've seen, uh, I, I've seen
0: a bigger push by tenants on assignment provisions so that they can create flexibility. You know, if a black swan event like we recently had happens, um, yeah. so we've been pushing back. We lost a deal on an assignment provision recently that was in lease, yeah. which hadn't happened in a long time. In years. Yeah. Uh, because the tenant didn't feel like they had the, the flexibility they needed if something happened and they wanted to sell, but we felt we had no control of who was in our shopping center and what it would be. And yeah. we were investing in this tenant and we, neither of us could get comfortable. That's rare but it was just a eyebrow raiser for me.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, Brett, this has been great. Um, any last things you want to talk about that we haven't touched on? Covered a
1: lot. Uh, you know, re- renewal strategies. And cause it's something I've been dealing with for a while here um, because everybody's trying to re- retrade the options, right? Because the options, their option, not our option. Yep. And so I always listen to them. You know, if you want, you you don't want an option, you know, give me a call, but you you have to show me your P&Ls, show me your balance sheet, show me how you're doing so that I can justify because you tell me you're, 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 over market rents, show me, show me your sales. And so for me and the retailers hate it when I say this market rent is not just, you know, what the deal down the street can be done for, but it's what you can afford to pay. And so tell, show me that you need the help. If you need the help, then maybe we'll figure something out. But if you if you don't need the help, uh, you're going to option. You know that that's this the that's what we signed. You agreed to it when you signed the lease. You should agree to it now. So I'm I'm seeing a lot of that, and lately uh, it's been working out great for me. I'm I'm getting probably 98, 99% hit rate on renewing tenants when they call me up and ask me for help. Some of them won't even get me the balance sheet or the sales. They just say well, we don't give that. I'm like, well then I look forward to your 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 renewal. So, so that's one sort of theme that I'm, I'm seeing out there because people, and it's been around for years where they never want to take their option. They want to retrade you. You just got to do your homework. You got to know, can they move somewhere? Because we all know, you know, some of those cosmetic type companies will move if there's another opportunity down the street, if they can get a brand new store, if you don't work with them. I mean, there, there's there's tenants out there that are like that. The, the thing I
0: would say, and I think you give some, Good advice. And Mm -hmm. everyone out there, this is a former retailer who's saying this. Let's keep that in mind. Brett's a former retailer saying this. exactly. So I would say the following. At the end of the day, it's a tough spot for a retailer right now because occupancy is super high. There's not a lot of options. But even if there was, the cost of construction, the rent the adjacent landlord needs to make the deal work most likely is more than they're paying you. It's pretty hard. Or the retailer has to spend a lot of money to move that store. Right. They would have to have a significantly actual above market rental rate to make the reload pencil in today's environment. And so... Uh, we're seeing high renewal rates as well because of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of like a house. You don't want to move because the construction costs to, to go build a new house have gone up and the interest rates have doubled. Exactly. So p- people aren't going to move anymore. People now have 3% you know, handcuffs with their mortgages, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So,
0: okay. Last part of our show is a fun part, Brett. I got three fun questions right. for you. Are you ready? <laughs> Shoot. One. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from
1: the dead? That's an easy one for me, only because it brings back such great memories. Uh, and this retailer, I think they blew it, uh, completely blew it. Um, but I would take my kids, both my kids, to Toys R Us. Uh-huh. And it was, to me, it was it was entertainment. It was me, I could spend a couple hours there, right? And in, entertain my, my kids at Toys R Us, and I'd let them pick out one thing every time. But they would try everything. They had a smile on their face. I think just I missed Toys R Us as a concept. Love to see that type of thing come back. But uh, they didn't invest in their stores. Their stores started getting dirty. Uh, inventory started getting light. So I kind of saw the writing on the wall. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, That's, that's, that's probably the one I missed the most. How about you? Well, I, I've
0: answered this before. I, there was a store my dad used to take me to called Rickle. It was a home improvement store. And some fond memories, my dad. There's a many. There's many stores
1: that I wish would come back, though. But yeah. Rickles, the it, answer. not it get. funny that we talk? We 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 talk about the memories. Yeah. That we miss the stores that are gone because of the memories, not necessarily the product. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. Question two. What item over twenty dollars is the last item you bought in a store? Now I might embarrass myself, but that's an easy one for me. Wine or Burgundy wine. Burgundy. Okay. <laughs> Last question. Yeah. Brett, if you and
0: I were shopping in a Target and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in?
1: Jeez, oh, that's a loaded one. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I used to hang out in the... <laughs> I won't go there. I used to hang out really in the electronics area, but you know, I, I just, that's boring to me now. So I'm, I'm in the outdoor section, the sporting section. Is there one new game, board game or outdoor game that I can get that I can, we can play at parties, something like that. So that's kind of where I'm hanging. All right. And, and also by the way, probably in the grocery section, checking the wine. (laughs) All
0: right, Brett. Well, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for hopping on. Um, appreciate
1: it and uh, are you going to New York Uh, I'm trying it's a little tight but I'm going to give it a shot we'll have to connect absolutely I really appreciate you 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 inviting me
0: thank you for listening to Retail Retold if you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives, so it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.